In episode 27, we looked at the Jamaica Inn, the famed Smugglers Inn on Bodmin Moor in Cornwall, in the southwest of England. A building dating from around 1760 with an incredible haunted heritage, where there are ghosts and ghouls lurking around every corner. Even in the newest wing, which was added in 2017, there are still things to be found that go bump in the night. This time out, I will talk with Karen, who leads the in-house paranormal team at the inn and knows the ghosts of the Jamaica Inn as well as anyone. Tonight, join me as we return to the Jamaica Inn. Welcome to episode 28 of How Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the most haunted places on planet Earth. I'm Rob Kirkup, author, paranormal historian and ghost hunter from the northeast of England. Allow me to be your guide as we dare to investigate in depth the often dark and troubled history of each location and of course the chilling tales of the ghosts that reside within. This week we head back to the remote moorland of Bodmin Moor and ask just how haunted is the Jamaica Inn? Listener discretion is advised, as each episode of How Haunted will feature gruesome tales, horrific happenings, bloody murder, and ghosts. So many ghosts. Listen on if you dare. Last episode you heard all about the incredible location that is the Jamaica Inn, and I was lucky enough to spend some time with my polter guest, Karen Besant, who's been part of the in-house investigation team at the inn since 2015, and now heads up the team. In the eight years since, she has experienced some truly unbelievable activity at the Jamaica Inn. Without further ado, let's hear what she had to say when I spoke with her about the history and the ghosts of the old Smugglers Inn, and what she's experienced there for herself. Mm-hmm. 
I'm delighted to be joined by Karen Besant, who works with the Jamaica Inn as part of their in-house paranormal team. Thanks for joining us, Karen. How exactly would you describe what it is you do with the Jamaica Inn? So I am lucky enough to be the organiser and head this fantastic opportunity of the Jamaica Inn's own paranormal team, which has been in existence for eight years with myself, Lisa, Rachel and Gemma. Brilliant. So how did you first get involved in the paranormal, going back to whenever it was you first stepped foot into the world of the supernatural? Well, I think like most people, you know, as a child, I used to read ghost stories under the blanket with a a torch. And, you know, as a teenager, a couple of weird things happened in my mum and um, dad's place. Um, But people didn't tend to talk about it that much. And it wasn't really until I became a tenant of a pub in the centre of Bristol that was over 300 years old and my cellar was most likely medieval that I realised what it was like to share your home with an invisible flatmate who seemed to be a woman who didn't like things done a certain way. So one morning, typical example, I had a hangover. I went down at half seven to let the cleaner in and I thought I would go back to bed for an hour and I saw my keys being picked up and thrown against the wall in disgust. Wow. What, what pub was it? It was a little pub called the Porcupine and originally it was one of Bristol's famous gay pubs where a lot of famous actors who used to go and tread the boards of the Hippodrome would come and reside. So it's a beautiful historic Georgian inn. It's so still very, there now. It's still there now. It's called Dr. Wolf's now. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so that, that was how you first got into it. I mean, my my origins are not dissimilar to yours. I mean, back I remember back when I was a a child, maybe seven or eight or something like that, going to the library. I used to go to the library every week with me brother and me nana would take with to the little li- little local library that's that's not there anymore where I, I grew up. And I would get out the children's books, but then I wanted to go and see what there was in the grown-up section. And I ended up picking up books that I own today with about ghosts and myths and monsters and bring them home and sit and read them. And then I'd be too scared to go to bed but I couldn't help myself I'd, I'd rent them out time and time and time again and just obsess over this subject matter that may or may not be true and it's not as clear-cut as anything else I was reading about I find that I find the subject fascinating so that was how you got started so how did you get involved with the Jamaica Inn? I was very lucky I was chatting um, with a lovely lady who had been taken on by the new owner, Alan Jackson, and he wanted to have his own team. And I was chatting to her online for a couple of months, and she said, would you like to join me? And I said, oh, I would love to, but can I bring a friend with me? So we did that for a few months, and we left, and then my friend was asked to come back down, and we went together, and then the last year I've taken over but all that time my passion was looking at the history and Mm -hmm. 
you know, a totally amateur researcher. And to set me off, there's a wonderful researcher called Helen Bennett, who started the ball rolling with some amazing documentation of the first donors, etc. And it was really in the last three years that we finally, I think, are getting somewhere. And the real history, the real historical facts mm-hmm. are coming out about this fabulous inn. Yeah, no, and, and that's it. And as I've already said to you, when I record the episode that people have already heard, I'll make sure that you fact check everything that I say, because I certainly don't want to be getting anything wrong when it comes down to the your inn. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's it must be a really, really worthwhile thing to do. And for anybody who wants to go along and get involved in an investigation at the Jamaica Inn, how would they go about it? And what does what would that evening look like? So there, there's two there's two types. So we do public paranormal nights. Mm-hmm. And what we try to do is because the Jamaica Inn has this amazing Daphne de Maurier connection as, as well as reported ghosts since 1911. We try to make it a more factual night. Yeah. So mm-hmm. we will um, do lots of experiments, but we will also explain the science behind things like table tipping, Ouija boards, etc., that sort of thing. And to get people to think outside the box, because not everything is paranormal. Though sometimes if we're lucky and as an investigator yourself, we can have a night where it's very quiet. And then last March, we had 30 amazing guests and it, it totally blew us away. And the one thing was this naughty Portuguese, we, we don't know if his name's Jack, supposedly this man that was lured out into the moor and, and murdered But whoever this ghost spirit, whatever you want to call it, is, he he loves to be naughty. And his latest trick is grabbing the right buttock of an unsuspecting guest. Oh, lovely. Now, yeah, three times it's happened last year. So to make it more um, controlled, we'll send someone off blindfolded to another part of the inn. They can't hear what we're saying or what we're going to ask. Yeah. We'll give them a walkie-talkie in case of emergencies. And then we'll say, you know, Jack, can you grab the right ankle, etc. And it was that March time that a gentleman was in the upper restaurant area, again, totally away from the bar, can't hear what we're saying. And I said, can you grab his right buttock? And we heard a sound, so we went down to check. And he was a totally rational gentleman, fantastic. And he was really nicely did a write-up for me and he said he said he felt a hand grab his thigh and his his buttock his right buttock but he said it was the thumb he could feel the thumb digging into his flesh it didn't hurt but it startled him i'm not surprised now that to me is so interesting because if ghosts are real and as as you said earlier Mm -hmm. we don't know no but to me, it shows a personality and a humor. Mm-hmm. And this is this so say spirit is. He loves being naughty. Just three weeks ago, there's a lovely gentleman called Nick the Night Porter 
And he said it must have been about quarter past one in the morning. No one is around. He's in the upper restaurant tidying. He could hear glasses clinking. So he comes to the main bar and there's seven or eight glass pint jugs on hooks. And just those seven or eight were clinking side by side. Nothing else. And it's those little things that are so interesting. And, you know, we're so lucky to document it. So as an investigator, to have a study of this famous smuggling in to see exactly what is a haunting. So to me, it's a complete honour to be there. And as we always say to the public, we are just the paranormal custodians. The Jamaica Inn is the star. I think, as, we, as I said earlier on, if I don't think I'll ever know for sure whether there are such things as ghosts. And and that's why I do what I do. That's why I go and spend a night in a place that's supposedly haunted so I can find my evidence. But that guy who you said, can you touch him on his right buttock? And it happened elsewhere in the room. That shows a, a consciousness that there's somebody who's listening to you and then doing what you ask. Because there are people who believe there are such things as ghosts, but they somehow replays of things that happened in the past being repeated time and time and time again but that shows that somebody listened to you and then did what you asked which is completely different so for something like that to happen I mean I'd be terrified if it happened to me and I was off in another part of the building and somebody grabbed me bum but it's uh it's it's you know it's 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 incredible to think that something like that can happen like I can't think of a better place to be able to spend night after night after night looking for for these things and 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 trying to find this kind of evidence you mentioned um ouija boards or ouija boards depending on how Mm. you pronounce it there are a lot of people who won't go near one of them for whatever reason what's your thoughts on them well i believe the scientific um explanation the idometer effect same as table tipping that sort of thing but there is one fantastic experiment that a lovely lady um, from Lydney who heads up Rope um, Investigator Team called Rachel Hayward. She devised this experiment um, many, many years ago. And you go onto the board and say you get it going. And she would put um, Zena cards down the side. And someone else would be, could be in another room, makes no difference. They don't look at the cards and she'll say to the so say spirit, can you see someone holding up a card? So they would hold up the card behind them. And if it goes to yes, can you go to that card? The one time we did it seven years ago, it did. I think it was four or five out of six correctly. Now, your first reaction is like an ESP. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then last year, I'm really lucky to know the owner of an event centre that's a former medieval church. And we were filming for a a client of ours, and I did that with picture cards. So to make it more scientific, Kev, who was holding on to the other picture cards, he used a red torch. He didn't look at it. It did it four out of five. I cannot explain that. Do I believe it's a ghost? I don't know. No, but that's the only time with the with a board 
average talking board, whatever you want to call it. Do I believe in protection? Do anything like that? No, I don't. No, I don't believe that things follow you home. And I think the only fear of those is your own fear. But you cannot make someone use something or do something if they're uncomfortable. No, no. And I mean, I, I've been on investigations where there has been these boards and there's people who just won't go near them. But I mean, if you think about the origins of them, they were created as board games by what well, I think Hasbro, the board game company, owns the right to Ouija boards. You said that you also do there's private hire investigations. Yes. So people have to remember the Jamaica Inn now is a 36 bed hotel and very, very busy. So as an investigator, you know, a few years ago, we, we devised a way, the best way for an investigator to, you know, enjoy the whole of the inn without the public being away. And when you look at the Jamaica Inn, it's what we call the old block. And mm -hmm. we call it a stay overnight. So there's 10 bedrooms. You need 19 investigators. And that way, when you're in the stable block, you're not annoyed by someone in room 10, 11, 12 walking around. Yeah. You've got the famous haunted rooms, three, four, five and six. And um, you get to enjoy it far better. And then obviously when the bar shut at midnight, you've got that. That what we call the old part, no public. And we started doing that a few years ago. And then I don't know what happened last year. It's just gone crazy. So some teams can't afford to hire and have 19 people. So we decided to do it ourselves. Okay. So you might have a team of three, a team of five, etc. And those are proven really well. So we would organize you into three like-minded teams and then hopefully you can split into smaller teams and enjoy the Jamaica Inn as we do when we are investigating there. Oh fantastic and as somebody who does who carries out investigations and my team when I do them is very small there's four or five of us at most we find it almost impossible now to get in anywhere with a team that size because if I've approached a couple of places in the last six months and been told, yep, you can do it, but it's going to cost a thousand pounds. And it's because they can make more money by having, having big groups coming in. So that's fantastic that it's accessible to smaller groups of people wanting to come through and do something and on their own. Also as well, we find there was a stage where say someone would come and stay in one of the haunted bedrooms and then we're outside in the corridor yeah. annoying the other guests. Yeah. So we've made it quite clear you can't do that. There, There is this team group booking and it's a lot cheaper than and also I don't understand why stay in one room when you can do the official, you know, hire and enjoy the whole of the Jamaica Inn. You get things like the attic that no one can get to, you know, to explore the bar when all the public are out the way. Yeah. You know, yeah. to really get your teeth. And a perfect example, 2018, and that was with the lovely Rachel Haywood sat in the bar. And when we spoke earlier about um, do go see what's yeah. around yeah. in our time period, she was sat in the main bar and she looked to her right and there was a man sat in a modern chair with his elbow on a modern table 
dressed in late Victor uh, late Georgian clothing with black curly hair, a beard, no hat, but the same description I have in multiple areas of the Jamaica Inn. And she said it wasn't that he was staring. It was the look of amusement and sarcasm. So a case, to, you know, the interpretation she felt was, oh, God, what on earth are you doing? Here we go. Yeah. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It was fascinating. That's incredible. I'd give anything to say something like that. I'm, I, I mean, oh. I've seen things moving around, but I've never seen anything crystal clear because it would blow my mind if I was to do that. So 16 years ago, I was at the Jamaica Inn in the museum, as we call it, and I put some bracelets on the floor mm -hmm. and I saw, and it you, it wasn't a whole figure. It seemed to come in strips in focus of a girl about, say, seven or eight, Victorian dark dress, white oversmock, very classic Victorian girl, beautiful long blonde curly hair. Mm -hmm. And she was looking at the bracelets, etc. Now, what I didn't know then, that girl, that image has been seen for well over 30 years that I know of around the Jamaica Inn. Okay. So oh, I've wow. never seen her since. But I, and especially the staff, you know, when people say about haunted locations, it's so important to interview staff, guests, and also people that perhaps there's one lady that was born there in 1955. And it's not just about the ghosts. It's about the day-to-day -day things like the pet pig who used to walk around the bar. The Danish royal family that came because Jamaica Inn was more well-known with Daphne de Maurier's connection. So she tells this story. She was about three and her father, Mr. Gross, was the manager there and they lived there with her mother. And room five, one of the most famous haunted ones, was her bedroom. And she would never sleep unless they put the pet alsatian in. OK. So January a year ago on a private hire, an investigator woke up. There's a video of her, but unfortunately... She didn't have any clothes on, so it can't be shown public. And she sort of half wakes up mm -hmm. to push a dog that was led on her legs off the bed. Oh, wow. Now, if we hadn't had those connections, we perhaps couldn't paint an authentic picture. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying that was the reason, but I think if you are lucky enough to be a resident team, investigator, etc. I think you have a moral duty to spend, I mean, I've spent hundreds of hours to try and get to the bottom of what haunts why. Yeah. Um, why suddenly in the last few years a US airman? Why a modern ghost that was first reported in 1980 that has been seen twice, a man with jeans and a skinhead? You wouldn't expect that in the inn built in 1760. No. So you have independent reports, but also we keep a lot of reports back because we don't want to influence people and we yeah. want to see if these reports that come in are genuine. 
fascinating. I mean, especially the the modern day guy, because you would have thought would be able to work out who that could be. Yeah. And what their ties are to the Jamaica in. So no, and 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 about keeping stuff back as well. I think that's really important, especially when you've got investigations available to members of the public who you don't know who they're going to be when they turn up. You don't want them exactly. think you don't want them coming along going, Oh, I've just seen X, Y, and Z because they've been influenced by something that they've they've been told before the investigation begins. Classic example, room four in the alcove. A few years ago, a medium said, there's a hooded figure in the alcove. I said, what do you mean? Not a monk, a man with a hood sort of mm-hmm. cape. Now, didn't take much notice. A year went by, same report by another medium. And it wasn't until Ben, who used to be the night manager, was in the cellar behind the main bar. He was on his knees on the floor, putting some bottles on a shelf when a bottle came out from the shelf and just gently landed in front of him. And he looked to his left and he said, I can only describe what I would say was a Gandalf figure. So a man with a white beard, shaw cape, so probably more pilgrim based. Oh, wow. So I thought, okay. That could be that. And then a few months ago, one of the young members of staff in the lower restaurant, which is a modern extension, came out from the kitchen and saw a man, and she described exactly the same, stood there. Two months ago, someone in room 34 woke up to see what she called a Gandalf figure with a white beard leaning over her bed in a modern extension, four years old. She's leaning over the bed, staring at her husband. Hmm, interesting. Wonder so, who... what people don't know, before the Jamaica Inn existed and the Hamlet, it was just a Roman track, and about five miles down the road is the village of Temple, and that was founded by the Knights Templar, because Cornwall is famous for the Pilgrim Trail. Oh, okay. So, was it a pilgrim? Or, if we have free will in life, do we have free will in death, and we can go wherever we want? So, are there that many ghosts or are there ghosts that sort of pass by and you, you'd be a, a, there a night and then suddenly you see this figure and that becomes a resident ghost? We don't really know. No, that's an interesting point. The fact that a ghost could say, oh, I'll go and spend a night at the Jamaica Inn and then move on the next day. Yeah, I don't want to claim that there's 20, 30 ghosts, but you you cannot substantiate that. The most popular are a girl, a boy, the one called Jack, the old woman, and a Victorian woman. Those seem to be repeats. Now, we do get other things like the airman and then this modern ghost, but there are other reports as well. But it could be a recording, as you say, the mm-hmm. Stone Change Theory, or is it when... You know, because the inn has lots of pass and trade. Now, there's a fantastic story of a gentleman that was a lodger there in 1861 uh, called Francis Braddon. And I looked at the census and it said 42 years of age, retired assistant paymaster to Her Majesty's Royal Navy. And I thought, what's a paymaster? So I went online, looked it up, and what I didn't know, every time an appointment is made, 
they announced it in the newspapers. So I found this gentleman joined the Navy at 21. Mm-hmm. And I found these amazing ships. And there's even one of the ships that's on a stamp. Okay. I can't remember if it's HMS Amethyst or HMS Leopold. He traveled the world, South America, everywhere. He was in a lodging house in Launceston in 1904 because he tripped up outside his doorway and broke a bone in his hip, and he died in 1905. Now, it's not just the ghosts. It's the ghosts of the people who live there. doesn't mean to say they haunt it, but we need to bring their story to life as well. Yeah, definitely. I suppose the question that I've been dying to ask you since we started talking is, since you're probably best placed to answer this question, is the Jamaica Inn really as haunted as it's claimed? It depends what you you think is a haunting. So I could be there and stay one night and nothing happen. Yeah. You can come another time and you hear footsteps in the corridor or taps in your bedroom. We recently had a report of a chap walking out of room four and seeing a cat and there were no cats in the building at the time. Okay. So I don't want to say it's as haunted as they claim because what is a haunting? What we do know, the pedigree of the Jamaica Inn is the haunting from 1911 of a man sat on the wall that was in country life dressed in old-fashioned clothes when people tried to converse in conversation he ignored Mm -hmm. them and disappeared so we have hauntings that go back to 1911 and i think that to me shows the authenticity of the jamaica inn yeah Yeah. what i will never do is to cheapen it and to, to make it to be a place to be feared there's nothing horrible there um to my mind, it's just sharing um, a hotel with unseen family. Unpaying guests. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Bless them. Or, or like you say, uh, room six, if you stand at the end of, well, the, there was a couple there and um, there is this, supposedly this big shadow figure that stands in the doorway of the bathroom staring at those in bed. I've, I've got a couple of accounts of it. But what people didn't know is when you walk down to the corridor, you have room five on your right, room six, you know, two of the famous haunted mm-hmm. ones. Yeah. There's a cupboard facing you. That used to be another bedroom because if you go back to the 1950s, etc., there were no ensuite bathrooms. And I was lucky enough to have a blueprint, a blueprint of alterations showing what they were going to do from 1970. We know the exact layout. I've also had a lady that walked around who lived and worked there from 1959 to 1969. Yeah. So yeah. we know how the stairs was different. We know that the stable block in the museum had no floor above to the 1970s. You know, so you're trying to get as much factual information. We know the white building opposite was the original forge. And we still have one of the giant bellows in the upper restaurant. You've mentioned about the more haunted rooms. I mean, completely, I'm going away for work this week and I'm stopping in a hotel. And it makes us wonder how many people who come to stop at the Jamaica Inn and get booked into one of the 
in air quotes, more haunted rooms have no idea of the reputation of the room that they're going to be spending the night in and may wake up to find somebody standing in the corner of the room watching them sleep. To me, it's not just the famous haunted rooms. It's what we call the newer block. Why are people reporting um, phenomenon from there Yeah, when yeah. that didn't exist? So room 23 built four and a half years ago. A lady woke up two in the morning to see a Victorian woman standing in her doorway and in a sort of muddled state. She thought, what's housekeeping doing here? And the lady walked into the bathroom and never came back out again. Wow. And that is a modern bedroom. So when we have the guests on a public night, I'm very naughty, 80 to 90% of the people book a room. And I always ask them which room they're in. So they'll say, oh, we're in room 33. It's, it's not haunted. I said, hmm, but watch out for the 5 a.m. taps on the door that the f- previous owner used to get. And he would check the CCTV and no one was outside at the time. Not what you want, though, if you try and uh, get a good night's sleep, really, is it? I think it's fabulous because, to me, that shows mischievous from children playing knockout ginger. And it happens with a lot of the rooms. Yeah. like If, if I was closer to the Jamaica, and obviously I'm at the opposite end of the country to to it, but if I was in a position to spend a night in one of the rooms alone... That could be uh, that could be incredible to be able to to get the opportunity to to do that because who knows like you could doze off and wake up and anything or anybody could be there with you. So no, I think it, it's it's clearly a fascinating building and it's a building that you clearly have a a huge affinity for. To to me, the excitement is the unknown and. You know, every year you find out new bits of information or you might chat to someone. And, you know, my most frustrating thing I've ever done, I remember uh, when we first started there, there was an old local. And he said at the time, you don't know what went on during the Second World War here. And I meant to come back and interview him, but unfortunately passed away. So jump into the second world war and of course many people don't realize it became a temperance in around about 1880 so no alcohol to 1950 when they got their license after four attempts Bolventer is a tiny little hamlet yet it had over 20 home guard so i looked at general Patton diaries because Claude Finneymore the landlord at the time claimed that Gemma Patton came to stay at the Jamaica Inn for three nights okay and he brought his own eggs um so I looked at Patton's diaries and Mm -hmm. I traced him coming down to Cornwall now the Jamaica Inn was called the Jamaica Inn Hotel because it didn't have alcohol and in his diary he mentions the Cornish Hotel which doesn't give you enough to go on. No. But then a local historian from Launceston called Jim Edwards claims that our own General Montgomery visited Patton at the Jamaica Inn. Now, they hated each other, but we also have an account of a U.S. soldier who speaks 
weeks of when Patton, on the 25th of June 1944, drove to Exeter train station to pick up Eisenhower, Colonel Bade and other soldiers of rank. And in a bluff, meaning a hill, overlooking the Jamaica Inn, Patton, who was famous for doing his roaring speeches before the next lot joined the phase of um, after the D-Day and carrying on, because there were 8,000 US soldiers around Bobbin and Bobbin Moor just before D-Day, 4 million in the UK. You know, you, you couldn't walk without seeing an American soldier when they joined the war. And Cornwall, you know, there was practice of D-Day landing. George mm -hmm. VI had lunch supposedly in a field next to the Jamaica Inn. So what was it about this little smuggling pub that was so attractive was because it was so isolated. So it was safe. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's fascinating, though. And I, I mean, I think to have such incredible history as well tied to this as you say little smuggling pub it just even it adds even more to the story of of what is an incredible incredible place and I, as i say I, i'm i'm incredibly envious that you get to uh to do investigations there and you, oh, you heaven yeah i can imagine you know. exactly and i mean last year when you talk about chillingham that was on my bucket list for donkey's years and i arranged for a private hire so it's three days stay uh -huh. um, it was september we went so we took mostly all the apartments inside and okay. then we had two days of paranormal investigating private hire mm -hmm. and for me i only had one little thing and I didn't worry about whether I experienced anything paranormal or not, because to be in this historic location, to be where Edward Longshanks, one of our kings, stayed, yeah. to feel yeah. and touch the history, to me, made it all the worthwhile. And interestingly, going back to that lovely lady, Rachel, the King Edward room. Yeah. As we had the tour for the first night to do the investigation by the lovely member of staff, she decided to stay there while we carried on because it's quite a trek up and down the stairs. Mm. And she's looking at two mannequins, um, just ignoring it. Anyway, when her team came back up, she said, oh, that's interesting about the two mannequins. And the team said, what you want about? There's only one. For 15 minutes, she was observing what she thought was two mannequins. Now, the lady from the office, I think it's Nicola, when she first started there, she used to go and sort it out in the mornings and she used to look at the two mannequins for weeks. There's not, there's one. Yeah, yeah I know that name well. I know, I know, I know Chilling now you're talking about Chillingham Castle. Mm. That's a that's a place I know incredibly well. I've been there many many times, and I've been I've been lucky enough to investigate it twice. And it's an incredible. I mean, even just looking at it, like at the first time I did an investigation there, one of my friends, a lad called Brian, I said to him, I said, "What do you?" He'd never been before. This mm. was this was December two thousand and five, so long time, eighteen years ago now or something. And I said, "What do you think of the castle?" And he said, and this has stayed with us ever since, he said, 
even if you didn't believe in ghosts, you'd look at this place and say it was haunted. So exactly. it, it's it's an incredibly atmospheric castle. I and, look at it this yeah. way. You know, you, you, you hire and stay at these fabulous historic places. If you have a paranormal experience, it's a bonus. Yeah. But yeah. I'm never disappointed because no. I just enjoy the opportunity to, to sort of touch and breathe history. Yeah. That yeah. makes it all worthwhile. And we're, we're so lucky in the, in the UK. I mean, I know I've got listeners to the podcast to, who be listening right now who are who are all over the world. And I think over here, it, it it's some of the some of the places that we've got are incredible. I mean, I can jump in the car, and within an hour, I could head up into Northumberland, which has got the most castles of any county in in Britain. You know, right. and we're spoiled. I think I think down there as well with with the Jamaica with somewhere like the Jamaica in, it's somewhere I, I don't think I could tire of of investigating because as you say i mean you could go to, Ch- to chillingham and do do two or three nights and not experience anything but to be able to do the jamaica in time and time and time again when it's it's got such a reputation and it's got such a, a history behind it uh, I, as i say i'm incredibly envious of the fact that you get to do that but it's when you least expect it so before christmas myself and craig we were just clearing kit out of the four haunted bedrooms. The the guests were on their free time. Mm-hmm. And we were thought, right, we'll prepare the last video where we all get together. And supposedly, if Jack's in the mood, he'll talk. But they're not performing monkeys. It's entirely up to them if they want to or not. And we're walking down the corridor. And right between us, a man's voice very clearly says, hey, we both look at each other did you say no I didn't and it's those little things Mm. you know is and when there's more than one person witnesses it adds authenticity to the account yeah yeah yeah, definitely Um, and you know but also why do the paranormal reports change so in the 1950s if a guest stayed sometimes they would say to Mrs Grace um, who's been in my bedroom and tidied up and folded my clothing neatly on the end of the bed? Well, no one had. So what happened to that ghost who liked to tidy? That's what I'd like to know. Do ghosts stay a while and go and another one takes its place, like the, the, the US Airman? Or do they just think, oh, I'm just going to come and stay here for a while? That's the thing. Those I mean, questions we 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 as investigators are so anxious to find out. I know, and this the the tragic thing is, we might never know, you know, or we certainly might not know in in our lifetime. I think uh, that that's why I find the subject of the paranormal so fascinating. I mean, I I can talk to people who are adamant that ghosts exist and that they know exactly mm. what they are and fully understand the ins and outs of them but I don't think I don't think we ever I, I don't I, I mean I might be mistaken maybe we will but it's such a grey area you know it's, it's it, the it, first it, time I stayed in room five with a friend of mine not knowing the reports and we had the footsteps walking around the bed and that has been reported a dozen times over the years Clear as day, walking from one side of the bed 
to the other. But it wasn't walking on carpet. It was walking on floorboards. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and is that carpet in that room? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. I've just recorded an episode, which will be out by now, about um, a ghost walk of Pluckley Village in Kent. Mm. And there's a, a horse-drawn carriage that is heard and seen in a certain area of that of the village but it's heard on cobbles whereas yeah. the road that it's on is is tarmacked so that that interests me because it makes us think okay well look if there's somebody walking around but it's on floor rather than carpet is that a recording of the past or is there somebody there but for whatever reason we're hearing it as it would have been in their time rather than our time talking about ghosts i was told this fascinating story of a woman that was living in probably late victorian early edwardian terrace house you know typical english houses yeah. you know there's hundreds of thousands of them and she's led in her bath and a woman dressed in 1920s clothing and hairstyle walked in and looked just as shocked to see her as she was to see this woman. And then the woman disappeared. So that lady from that time period, was see, she seeing a ghost and not realising it's a ghost of the future? It's lovely to have the opportunity to talk to somebody who not only has clearly such a, a knowledge of not only the Jamaica Inn, but paranormal in general and who has experienced dare I say way more than I have on the investigations that I've been on I think I'm just one of these people who tend to go on quiet nights or maybe they don't like us when you think I I study the public guests I study the nights because I'm fascinated by people Mm. and one thing I've noticed with public investigations Um, all these years at the Jamaica Inn if you have a group of people and I can never say enough to them it's not about belief whether you're a skeptic or a total believer it's about what you put in now I believe in laughter fun as well as seriousness but as I say to people if you sit there and expect something to appear you will be sorely disappointed yeah, it's like winning the lottery, being in the right place at the right time. So a perfect example, we had five people dressed up in amazing um, the goth type costumes. Really nice. And one was a gentleman with his top hat, his frilly shirt. And he was sat in the chair in room five. And he was very rational, very laid back and Uh, When he came down, he described this experience, which fascinated me. He said this shadow, he was the only one who saw it, came up right in front of him and then materialised into a face of a gentleman and he was wearing a red and white tunic. It shocked him so much, he fled the room and then he went downstairs and he was straight onto the internet on his phone, turned his phone on. And he saw it was a naval officer. It matched it. Now, he didn't know about this Francis Braddon. As I said, I'm not saying that was it. But I believe what you were wearing gave you an opportunity. When we started wearing costumes, so 
Lisa, who's part of the team, she handmade a Georgian and Victorian dress for us. Soon as we started doing that, things started amping up. When we started speaking Cornish, things seemed to happen. To me, that is the fascinating thing. And language, how we spoke 200 years ago, how we greeted one another in conversation is so different today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can't say to Jack the ghost, can you light up that REM pod? What is a REM pod to someone who has been dead 200, 250 years? How would you describe it in their mindset what that box is? Yeah. That's if you use equipment. You know, you might just want to sit there with a notepad and pen. Yeah. I mean, whenever we've used equipment, we've always just said that box with the flashing light on it or or something like that. Something really, really obvious so that anybody you'd like to think would as long as they can understand what you're saying and speak the same language as you can understand what you're asking them to do and will hopefully comply. I'm incredibly envious and I truly appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about all oh, of I, this. Thank you so much for asking. I'm I'm totally honoured. No, I could I, talk I, for hours. It's so sad. <laughs> yeah, me too. To, to be able to have the opportunity to talk to somebody who who's like-minded and who who clearly has a, a fascination in all of this uh, is, as I say, a real joy. And if anybody does want to book on to go along to one of the public investigations at the Jamaica, and you might get the opportunity to spend some time looking for things that go bump in the night with Karen and hopefully have with some real results. Yeah, for the public, just ring up the Jamaica Inn main number or email them at inquiry at jamaicainn.co.uk. If you're interested in private team hire or private team share, then email me at ghosthunts at jamaicainn.co.uk. You're an absolute star. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. And um, hopefully one day I'll find myself down that neck of the woods and maybe I'll I'll come along and see you in person. That would be lovely. It's on my bucket list. Oh, we've got loads on our bucket list, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it is. It's de- it's near the. It's it's definitely one of the ones further up on my list of places that I want to go. So, fingers crossed, one day I'll get to meet you in person. Thank you so much for doing this. You're an absolute star. Thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me, Karen. And as you heard, you can get in touch to join her and the team on an investigation at the Jamaica Inn and perhaps experience something truly inexplicable for yourself. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at at HowHauntedPod or over on Instagram at HowHauntedPod where you will see photos galore relating to the Jamaica Inn. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com or you can email me directly at rob at how-haunted.com. Feedback, location, suggestions and your own experiences are all more than welcome. Feel free to ask me any questions you like and I'll answer them all on a dedicated Q&A episode. If you'd like to support the show and get early access to episodes, you can join the Patreon for less than the price of a pint. 
and you'll also get exclusive episodes where you'll join me on an actual paranormal investigation and hear the audio as it happened. The six episodes of this nature are waiting for you right now. If you aren't a fan of Patreon, or perhaps would prefer to make a one-off donation at the podcast, why not donate £2 to buy me a coffee? All the information on how you can support How Haunted is in the podcast description and over on the website. If you've enjoyed this episode, if enjoy is the right word, then please subscribe and review the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find How Haunted. Next time out we head to Cumbria in the northwest of England, and rather than look at one location, I'm going to take you on a ghost trail through the beautiful yet terrifying county. In the first of a two-part special which will see us look, in depth, at 20 of the scariest places in Cumbria across two very special episodes. Join me next week when we begin our ghost trail of haunted Cumbria. Thank you so much for accompanying me for our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe and join me next time when we will once again ask the question How Haunted? <laughs>